Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey friends, Elisa Childers here. Have you ever wondered what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? What is my purpose? And even as a Christian, have you ever prayed, Lord, where's my calling? We're going to talk about these questions and more with a special guest on today's podcast. I just finished reading an amazing new book that I highly recommend to everyone. It is called, Lord, Where's My Calling? When the Big Question Becomes a Big Distraction. And I just so happen to be friends with the author, and I have her on as my special guest today. So I'm thrilled to welcome TZ Cannon to the podcast. TZ, thanks for being with me today. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, before we get into uh, this book, I want you to talk about your first book, because you are an author, you're a speaker, and you sort of have this wide range of talent that you take all over to different groups, young people, adults, women. Uh, tell us about your first book, My Big Bottom Blessing. What is that all about? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, My Big Bottom Blessing, How Hating My Body Led to Loving My Life. And that book is really about my journey of coming from basically hating my body, hating what I saw in the mirror to just uh, experiencing incredible healing. And I, after years of just begging God to change how I look, the journey led me to see that what he wanted to do was change how I see. Mm -hmm. And and so he wanted to just um, take layers of lies away that I had been believing and healing some wounds and you know walking through some repentance. Uh, so that was just my journey of learning to love the girl in the mirror without anything changing physically. It's just all between my ears. Right. And that's, I think that's a tough thing for women in general to wrap our heads around. Uh, and it's interesting that that in a way ties in with your new book because it has to do with who we are in Christ and knowing our identity in him. Uh, but interestingly, this new book kind of ties together something I've never really seen anybody do, which is take a subject like how we view ourselves, who we are in Christ, and weave that in with Christian apologetics. In fact, your book got the attention of someone who's really prominent in the apologetics world, uh, a really uh, prominent voice, Jay Werner Wallace. And he actually reviewed, he gave you a glowing review on your book and uh, featured it in a blog post with an interview. And he was really interested to know why you quote all these Christian apologists in your book, which is not something you typically see with uh, either with apologetics or with you know, the type of, of ministry that has to do with uh, healing of wounds and, and who we are. So what, how, what made you kind of decide to marry those two worlds? Well, part of it was just how impacted I've been personally by all of those authors and apologists, uh, what it's done for my own faith and how it's bolstered my identity, actually, just knowing more about the evidence for God, for um, just seeing the amazing uh, facts like even with um, 
fine tuning and cosmology and I've just become even more blown away by how incredible our God is through the teaching and writing of all these apologists. But what I kind of wanted to do was just sprinkle in a little bit of that type of thinking because I knew that my uh, existing audience from my first book would be expecting something more about the heart. And I didn't want to just come out blasting them with all my new apologetic <laughs> excitement. So I thought, you know, I'll just sprinkle in some of these quotes and some of these concepts and sh kind of show them gently how loving God with the mind interacts with loving him so well with our hearts. That's great. And, you know, obviously it, it was impressive to Jay Warner Wallace who tweeted out to over his hundred thousand followers that they need to get your book and read it, which that's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I was an endorsement. so thankful for that. Yeah. <laughs> really. So really how, flattered. how does something like the cosmological argument, uh, tie in with uh, the heart for you? Yeah. Well, first tell our listeners a little bit about what the cosmological argument is as an apologetic argument and how that can apply uh, to the heart. Right. Well, just, um, for many people, Christians and non-Christians, that you go through seasons of doubting or not even knowing whether God exists or not. And the cosmological argument is one of those arguments that helps us to find evidence for the existence of God. Mm -hmm. it, it's kind of one of those beginning steps of just, does a God of any kind exist? Mm -hmm. And so that's just taking a look at the beginning of the universe, kind of the origins of the universe and and causes, causality of things, and seeing that since the universe actually had a beginning point, there had to be a cause outside of that beginning point. Mm -hmm. But in studying that and reading some authors that, that address that in a way more technical way than I can <laughs> at this moment, you, you, some of the evidence and the data that they quote and the expanse of the universe and, and some of this, um, you know, astronomy, and I can't even think of the big words right now, but it's just <laughs> mind-blowing to me in thinking about our God being outside of time, space, and matter. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's what we read in the Bible, but when you look at it as scientific evidence, it's pretty pretty incredible. And I have found, too, with, with some of the scientific evidence, like from cosmology in particular, like what we're talking about, it actually has made my worship deeper. When I sing songs about the majesty of God or... Uh, the eternality of God or mm -hmm. just his in, his infinite nature, it, it really brings those things into a practical picture in my mind. And it's actually, I mean, as a worship leader, it's made me a better worship leader to, to study these kind of technical arguments for the existence of God. And it's, it's, it's deepened my worship. Have you had the same kind of experience? Yes, absolutely, especially with any songs that talk about the heavens declaring uh, the majesty. You know, when you, right. with the heavens declare, I'm, I'm like, yes, they do, <laughs> in more ways than you might be thinking. Yes, more ways than most people yeah. understand or most <clears throat> Christians understand. All right, so let's get, let's get into talking a little bit about this book. I, I read this book and think it's absolutely phenomenal. I, Thank you. I mean, of course, I read it because you're my friend and I knew it would be great, but I found myself just, I mean, I had to, I couldn't read it without the highlighter. I had to grab the highlighter and I was highlighting all these things in there going, I am really learning a lot reading this book. And uh, so you kind of start toward the beginning of the book talking about three scenarios. You, you talk about these three different women. You have a woman, a mother sitting on the couch, nursing her newborn, taking care of a toddler, homeschooling her second grader. And yet she says, Lord, where's my calling? Mm -hmm. And then you talk about a public school teacher encouraging her students year after year 
uh, pouring her, her heart and her life into these students and then coming home at night and saying, but Lord, where's my calling? And then the third scenario is a woman uh, who experiences healing and hope in her life and writes a book that touches and blesses a ton of people. And she still comes home at night and says, Lord, where's my calling? And then I'm going to add a fourth one that's not in your book, but the CCM, the successful CCM recording artist who sells over a million records and impacts the lives of countless young girls in their walk with Christ and comes home off the road and says, but Lord, where's my calling? Yeah. <laughs> so who are these women and why, are, what, why don't they get it? What's going on with them? Yeah, well, I think it's just so tragic that they can't see what is actually happening right there underneath their noses, but that was my life for years and years. Um, something that I think started as a good and, and righteous prayer, which is, Lord, what would you want me to do with my life? Um, you know, it's a good prayer. We, we watch Jesus always saying that what he did was what the Father told him to do, and, you know, we're just asking the same thing. What do you want me to do, Lord? But over time in my life, that good question grew and grew and grew in importance to where eventually it became such a predominant question that I had for God. It was, it was actually monopolizing my prayer life, if I get really honest. It's pretty sad um, how desperate I became because I was under the impression that there was going to be this pinpoint, clear, specific uh, calling on my life, and it was going to be big. Mm. And so my definition of, of calling wasn't anything that would have been as simple or normal as raising kids or <laughs> teaching, you know, I, it, it seemed like all of those things to me always felt like the warm up, mm -hmm. or this is where God's training me. This is just the training ops for the day when my big special calling is going to come. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what that is a setup for is just revealing where my own mind was for so many years. And I think so many of us can relate to that. I know I can, you know, that, that fourth scenario was me, you know, here I am with what many people would think is that big calling that you're, you're on a big national re recording label, record label, and you're touring nationally and you're getting all kinds of awards and acclaim. And yet I still felt like that wasn't the big thing. And it was because it wasn't. You know, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. And so I think that so many, especially mothers who are home with kids, you know, the, the culture feeds us so many of these messages that your identity and uh, your affirmation is going to come from having some big high powered job or something you're doing outside the home, which sometimes, you know, you do things outside the home that that are really impactful. But sometimes just making a, a nice hot bowl of oatmeal for your kids is the highest calling there is. So what do you think it is in culture that sends us this message that there's got to be this one big thing that that God has for all of our lives? Because, you know, I've thought about this before. You know, somebody's somebody's got to clean the toilets. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, you know, it's like we all think we've got the the big, you know, glamorous calling. But really, you know, Jesus said the last will be first and the first will be last. And so the person who's cleaning the toilets has probably got the biggest and highest calling of all. Uh, but what do you think it is in, in culture that's sending these messages? Where is this coming from? Yeah, I, I'm just going to speak to Christian culture because that's what I've been a part of for so many years. And I really, I think it's just kind of snuck up on us, honestly. I don't think anyone started it on purpose or, you know, that we jumped into this idealizing or kind of over-spiritualizing this idea of calling, but 
I just think it's been one kind of degree of getting off the main point at a time, one degree off, one degree off. And it also ties into our core emotional needs. We all want affirmation. Mm -hmm. We all want purpose. That's, that is one of the biggest questions of even a worldview question is what are we here for? What is humanity here for? But we, we get misled into thinking that the bigger the platform or mm -hmm. the more distance, like I'd say in the book, you know, if you're doing it in Africa, then it's yeah. really good. Or, you know, if you've yeah. got the more kids you have, the bigger the, the calling or, you know, I don't know. I just think we've kind of done it to each other. Mm -hmm. We've, and, and even it starts sometimes as little as VBS, where you look at these little small groups of kids and you start telling them, you guys are the next generation of world changers. Right, right. And you know what? I do believe we are world changers, but I think we do it one little thing at a time. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I feel like we think we're doing a good thing by, by speaking these wonderful affirmations over each other. But we are not checking that with the word. Right. You know, we're, we're getting off track on what it is that is big in God's economy. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. I was reading a biography of Mother Teresa lately. And, you know, she's world renowned for all of the work that she did. And what was so interesting to me is that when she was very young and she first, you know, felt this calling to go, uh, and, and help this, the poorest of the poor, the most destitute of the destitute. And she arrived in India, and the first thing she did was go out and just gathered three or four children and started teaching them school just, just right there. I mean, she didn't have a building. She didn't have some big money backer. She just, she just did it. And then more kids heard about it, and they started coming, and then people heard about it. And she actually tried to avoid the spotlight mm -hmm. in interviews. But, you know, Malcolm Mugridge, who was a, a BBC reporter at the time, was just really kind of fascinated with her, and he interviewed her, which brought her to the world's attention. But, you know, I think sometimes we look at somebody like Mother Teresa and think, man, that's a, you know, she's got such a big calling. But really all she did was go to India and start teaching some kids. Yeah. And, and everything kind of grew from there. And I think our American Idol culture that, you know, fall, don't ever give up on your dreams. And so you have some of these people who can't sing a lick that are never going to give up on that right. dream <laughs> when they could be doing something so impactful that's more in the, the range of their talents and abilities. So uh, I love that you're, you're kind of lifting the lid off of this, this topic that um, I think is so important at this time. Tell us the difference between calling and purpose. You mentioned that discovering the difference between those those two things was a game changer for you. Yes. So after getting to one of my pivotal rock bottom moments in my life, where I just, that desperate prayer had become so desperate, where I was just searching for prophetic newsletters, you know, <laughs> you'd be just ridiculous to the point of even when my husband would call from work. I mean, it's almost embarrassing to say this, but I was disappointed if he wasn't calling to tell me that someone had stopped by his office that day to <laughs> speak a word of, of my life. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't call me if you're just calling to say you love me. So it <laughs> is, you know, right? I, I think sometimes it takes getting to those places where you're just done. You've, you, you're exhausted of it. And I was at that place just exhausted from the prayer, from aching to know what's my special calling. And I, in a time of just crying out to the Lord, felt led to look up some words in the dictionary. And so I actually looked up calling and purpose. And what I found was really profound. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I began to pray through what I was seeing and asking God to really kind of un unravel or <clears throat> unpack 
all that, it, it led to the journey of freedom that I wrote about. But basically what I found in the dictionary is that the, the, the basic definition of calling is a vocation or a career. Uh, you can see it different ways, but it basically just boils down to your J-O-B. Mm-hmm. That's what a calling is. It's a job. Uh, but purpose, the definition of that is the reason for which something exists. And as I kind of looked back and forth at those two definitions, I realized, wow, there's a difference here. And I, I really want to go there with, with my study time and figure out if this is an important key to my healing, which it ended up being. Yeah, I, I, I had never thought of that, honestly. And when I read your book, I was like, that makes such sense. And that's so freeing in so many ways. So I'm going to read a quote from your book, and I want you to kind of expound upon this a little bit. Tell us what you mean by this. So this is a quote from TZ's book. She says, my life drastically changed for the better when I started living like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> what is that about? <laughs> okay, so I'm a real kind of visual learner. And a lot of times I'll get analogies that help me to clue into deep spiritual points. So, and because I've been a mom and in the household, a lot of times God uses, seems to use domestic um, machinery (laughs) to teach me (laughs) things. So as I was just pondering those definitions, that purpose is the reason for which something exists, uh, that, that analogy of a vacuum cleaner, really stuck in my mind. And that is that, okay, well, what is the reason for which a vacuum exists? And that's to suck up dirt. Mm. And so we've, if a vacuum cleaner is basically taken or called, so to speak, to a palace, but only put in a closet mm. and is never sucking up dirt, well, how successful or, or fulfilled would that vacuum be if a vacuum could have feelings, obviously? Um, made to suck up dirt, but never doing that. Uh, and then I thought, well, what about a vacuum that's taken to a shack and gets to suck up dirt all day long? Mm. Which vacuum would I rather be? And I thought, wow, I'd, I'd much rather be the vacuum that's at the shack doing the thing it was created to do, the reason it actually exists. But the, the next st- stage is, well, what about a vacuum that's taken to a palace and is sucking up dirt every day? And I thought, well, that would, of course, be the better thing to do because it's a palace. Right. But that is uh, something that is really only up to the owner. Mm-hmm. It's up to the one who purchases the vacuum, mm-hmm. where it's doing the dirt sucking. And I, I, as I go in, I go into way more detail in the book, but... The lesson for me is just knowing that that vacuum is way more fulfilled if it's just sucking up dirt. And that isn't anything to do with the where. Mm-hmm. That's not where it's called to suck up dirt. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that it's sucking up the dirt. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it is being a dirt sucker, and that is the reason for which it exists. Mm-hmm. And so for me to say I want to live like a vacuum, that reminds me that I want to be more aware of my purpose than my calling. Because my calling is really just the where, the where I'm going to be doing yeah, the thing. That, that can change. It, and it does. Day day. I mean, it changes all the time over a lifetime. So mm-hmm. uh, so what is the purpose yes, of humans? So, so I uh, look, you know, there's countless scriptures for this. Basically, we look, you know, throughout the, the word from the very beginning, and we find out that the reason God made humans, the reason for which humanity exists is to glorify him. We're God imagers. Mm-hmm. We're, we're here to magnify or glorify God. Mm-hmm. 
And what that means to me is when I think about that word magnify, I realize, well, when I use a magnifying glass, that's to make something easier to see. If I, you know, I'm, I'm here to make God easier to see, wow. more easily seen. I'm, I'm here to be his reflection, mm-hmm. uh, to bear his image wherever I am. And so humans are God glorifiers. Vacuums are dirt suckers. Yeah. Human beings are God glorifiers. And we can do that anywhere, every single day. I, I can make a part of God's character and his heart known mm. somewhere every day, even if it's just in my house alone, mm. because I can just sing praises out to the, to the air and the spirit realm is hearing me, you know, proclaim his praises. Yeah, and, and we, can, we can do that even if we have limitations. I used to think when I was younger, if anything happened to my voice, my life would be over. Like my purpose for being put for being put on this earth would be done for. It'd be gone because I believed that my purpose was to sing, to to minister through song, and so I I often thought, oh, if I got you know some kind of throat cancer or something, and and I lost my voice, you know that. I mean, I, I don't know what I would do, and so it was freeing to realize, and I realized this you know several years ago, that that's not my purpose. And uh, whether I'm getting up early with my kids and fixing a breakfast and investing in their lives, or I'm writing an apologetics article on my blog, or I'm speaking to a, a group of young people, or I'm leading worship in a church, I am being a God glorifier wherever I go. And that's a really freeing thing. And I love what you said in your book. You said, we can be completely paralyzed or lose all our limbs and still our identity would be intact. And that really stood out to me because it reminded me of a movie. Did you see that movie, Million Dollar Baby? No, it was, I didn't. It was several years ago, and it was about the female boxer who gets coached by, uh, what's his name? The guy that's like uh, Dirty Harry. What's his name? <laughs> the actor? Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, yeah. <clears throat> so he's her coach. And she's this, you know, he, he, they end up kind of bonding, and she starts becoming really successful in the boxing world. And then she has an accident, and she becomes paralyzed. And essentially the movie ends with him assisting her in ending her life. And the, the implication in the movie was that was a beautiful thing that he did that for her, that he loved her enough to, uh, you know, help her end her misery. And I remember just back when I even saw that movie thinking, no, there's, there's still something. I mean, you are still, you know, you can pray or you can, even if you don't have, you know, control of your body. There's still, you can pray for people. You can be a light for Jesus somewhere. You, you are a God glorified. I didn't have it in those words yet, but you know, you are still made in the image of God and your life is still worth something, whether yeah. you can move your body or not. And I thought that was a tragic movie. The message of that movie was tragic because it entirely missed the point of what the purpose of human life is. Um, so I, I just, that, that quote made me think of of that movie. So one thing I love about your book is that you end each chapter with discussion questions. And uh, I always love when books do that because uh, just for any listeners out there, if you pick up TC's book, uh, just know that this would be a fabulous book to go through with uh, young adults getting ready to go off to college, even as a study group together, because you can discuss some of these questions and even ask yourself some of the questions that are uh, at the end of each chapter. So it's really practical in that sense. Well, we have just a few more minutes. So why don't you tell us, TZ, the difference uh, between the red carpet and the area rug? Yes. So I 
always was waiting for what I would call my red carpet calling. I, cause I expected it to be big and I expected it to be announced by the heavenly host <laughs> with fanfare, you know, Oh, right. here's your calling, walk ye in it. And so I kind of imagine that being a red carpet moment. And with God showing me all of this beautiful truth about purpose and how much simpler and you know, lighter that burden is to wake up every day just to know I'm a God glorifier. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, we all are, which I love the fact that that takes away any comp- competing. Right. We all have the exact same primary purpose. And of course, we're going to have our own personalities and do them different ways. But um, that red carpet calling was what I was looking for. And what God really highlighted to me is that I needed to live more on an area rug, Mm. that the boundary lines he had placed for me in my life were in pleasant places Mm. from Psalm 16. And I, I would look at my life and think, wow, that, that really seems more like an area rug to me. Mm -hmm. And what is on my area rug? And each of us has one and it's handcrafted, hand stitched with the most beautiful threads Mm -hmm. uh, that we miss when we're constantly looking at the horizon, waiting on this red carpet to come. Mm-hmm. And so I've become a, an area rug. <laughs> I'm a vacuum cleaner and I live on my area rug. <laughs> and that is just looking around at what's right here in my life today. What are the opportunities I have now? Who are the people in my life now that I can touch for God? And um, if God wants to pick my area rug up and move it around and make it a flying carpet, he can do that anytime he wants but I can just enjoy my day today living there in that in my the boundaries of my life, which include my family, my friends, my church, my house, my neighborhood, mm-hmm. my skill set. Because actually it dawned on me that when I get to the end of what I can actually do, mm-hmm. the end of my talents, mm-hmm. that's a boundary line that God's placed in my life. And I can look at that and say that's a pleasant boundary mm-hmm. instead of aching to be someone else, to have someone else's platform or, or some other, you know, calling, so to speak. Yeah. You mentioned in your book, and I don't have the direct quote here, but you said something along the lines of when you're busy trying to be somebody else, who's being you. Yeah. And you know, God created each one of us with unique talents and abilities and unique personalities and and unique aspects of his image as image, as we are all image bearers. And so towards the end of your book, you talk about preventative measures like humility and obedience, just really practical traits that help to support um, some of these ideas. But as, as we end uh, today, why don't you tell our listeners, how do you identify what kind of vacuum cleaner you are? Well, this is where I, I rely upon all of those skills tests, you know, all those <laughs> tests. I don't know about you listeners, but I've taken probably every possible personality <laughs> test or spiritual gift test along the way, trying to figure out my, my calling. And, and so you look at all of the compilation of your life. It could be all those quizzes you've taken, but really you look at your life and you, and you see, where do I usually end up? What arenas do I typically end up in? And for me, it's not, it's not athletics. You know, I don't usually end up on a sports field. I haven't really ever ended up as a a chef. I, I tend to be in arenas where there's communication involved, whether I'm writing or, or teaching. And that's been since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I was, I wrote for my school paper in high school and in college. 
And so I think that this is where we can kind of look at our lives and, and analyze what are my talents, what are my personal skills, and this is going to be the the specific unique type of vacuum cleaner we are. So I, I differentiate between our primary purpose, which for all of us is exactly the same. We're all God glorifiers, but just like there's different kinds of vacuums like dust busters or shop vacs, there's different kinds of God glorifiers and there's no need for us to compare or compete. Mm -hmm. We just want to glorify God and he has made us each unique uh, to be able to glorify him best in the, in the ways that he's created us. That's great. It's, it's really, in so many ways, a countercultural message. Uh, you even quoted some motivational speakers in your book and, and kind of pointed out, like, wait a second, they're mistaking purpose for calling. Yeah. And, and it's gonna, this book will ruin you. I'm telling you right now, if you follow like a bunch of motivational speakers, you're going to read this book and you're going to get your sense of purpose right. And then you're going to see quotes come down your Facebook newsfeed and go, nope, that's not right. Because that is, that is a mistaking calling for purpose and, and vice versa. So, uh, it will ruin you in a great way. So go get it. I, I really highly recommend you get this book. Um, TZ, will you tell the listeners, first of all, how to find you online and where they can pick up your book? and how they can just kind of get connected with your ministry. Yeah, um, you can find me on my website. Uh, that's uh, www.tccannon.com, T-E-A-S-I, Cannon, C-A-N-N-O-N. And there's um, information about how to buy the book there, but the book's also available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble online stores. Um, you can find me on Facebook, and that's just T.C. Cannon, uh, Facebook link on you know, TC Cannon, however they do you that. Put it in the search bar. I'm yeah, I put sure. it in the search bar. Yeah. And I'd love to hear from you. That's great. Well, uh, I will put links to uh, TC's website, a link to where you can get her book. And uh, I'll, I'll also put a link to that Jay Warner Wallace interview, which was just so awesome and um, exciting for me to see that, that happen. Uh, but anyway, grab her book. And TZ, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.